Welcome to episode 174 of the Security Weekly News Wrap-Up for the week of 12 December 2021. Log jamming, sim swapping, dark watchman, pseudo-manuscript, Facebook bans, high school hijinks, and more on the Security Weekly News Wrap-Up. This is Security Weekly, for security professionals, by security professionals. It's the show that keeps you up to date on the latest security news twice a week. Your trusted source for accurate security information and expert analysis. It's time for Security Weekly News. Every 11 seconds, there's a new ransomware attack. Oil pipelines, universities, corporations, all paying millions of dollars. Barracuda says... Don't pay the ransom. Before a ransomware attack occurs, train your teams to recognize an attack and use anti-phishing technology. Protect your applications and they can't get onto your network. Simple backup and restore solutions quickly recover your data without paying the ransom. Build your ransomware protection plan now by visiting securityweekly.com forward slash barracuda. That's securityweekly.com forward slash barracuda. All right, I'm Doug White and this is the Security Weekly News Wrap-Up Show. It's, you know, I mean, it's like uh, we were we were off and then we're back and, you know, we were back on Tuesday, so we were off a week and you know, it's a holiday season, all kinds of crazy stuff happened. All right. On Application Security Weekly, number 177, John and Mike had Francesco Cipollone, the CEO and founder at AppSec Phoenix Limited. The segment was about DevSecOps, uh, like a lot of their segments, you know, it is an AppSec show, but it was about DevSecOps and how this is such a complex environment with a focus on clouds, containers, infrastructure, and, and not to mention libraries and supply chains and all that kind of stuff coming into the mix. Uh, so they were, they were talking about evolving risk. How do you evolve risk-based vulnerability management? And, and how do you include risk specialists and the challenge associated with putting all those things together into a workable mix? Because as all of us that have ever done app, you know, app dev or any of that kind of stuff, know one, the more people you bring to the table, the more complicated it gets and the harder it is to get that product into production. And yeah, and it's just, it's, it's, a, it's an ongoing topic. In the second segment, all about log for shell, uh, Mozilla's bug, big fix bug and a new sandbox at Mozilla. Rust in the current Linux kernel, path traversals, reflections on the security profession, and other stories. On Business Security Weekly number 243, Ben, Jason, and Matt had Mike Murray, the CEO and founder at Scope Security on the show. Mike was on to talk about how more than 25% of U.S. hospitals have suffered a ransomware attack in the last two years. Wow. That, that was a crazy number when I saw that and how and, and you know and they were talking about how hospital security solutions are focused and capable of focusing really only on office worker devices like so many security systems and so solutions are and that means that a large portion of the hospital network is undefended because it's all this kind of custom stuff right so it sounds like the same problem from ICS side of things uh, that I hear about all the time from ICS, which is it's all unique, it's all proprietary, it's all custom, and a lot of solutions can't deal with that. In the second segment, 13 traits of a security-conscious board of directors, seven strategies for CISO cybersecurity survival, 10 effective ways you can improve your communication skills. There is no way I could have put all those stories together with all those numbers without putting me up with some kind of pattern, but I don't know that there was a pattern there. 13, 7, and 10. Hmm, what does that add up to? 13, 7, and 10, 30? 
Hmm. I don't know. What what's 30? 30 pieces of silver. Ooh. It's a conspiracy. On Enterprise Security Weekly 254, Adrian, Katie, and Tyler Shields had Shoshana Gordon uh, on the show, or Gordon, I think is how it is. Uh, the discussion centers around how some security is not complicated, but it really boils down to noticing something is off. Huh. Which I call that the best, co the beat cop approach. Because traditionally, I mean, a long time ago, beat cops were people who walked their neighborhoods, they knew their neighborhoods. They knew the people in the neighborhood. They knew who beat each other up. They knew who was a bad person and so on. And, you know, so they had all that going. And so when something was strange. So this segment was really about weaponizing attentive and curious employees as an overlooked safety mechanism. So sort of a neighborhood watch. You know, if you see something, say something kind of thing. And, and I mean, I've said that for years about networks is that if you have a really good baseline and you really understand your network, you will definitely have a better understanding when something is not right. Uh, in the second segment, Scott Crawford, the research director at 451 Research and S&P Global Market Intelligence, joined the show to form uh, another analyst roundtable. They did one last week, too, uh, on ESW, and they were talking about XDR uh, and where that's going from a macro perspective, distributed socks, uh, next-gen XDR. You knew that was coming, right? Next-gen XDR. Everything has to go to next-gen at some point and, and other uh, topics. On Security and Compliance Weekly number 9-8, Jeff, Johanna Baum, and Kat Valentine had on Ben Carr, the CISO at Cradle Point. Uh, ben was on to lead the discussion about the origins of the role of CISO. So for a lot of us, we grew up in an era when a CISO was not a thing. Uh, and, and even today, a CISO is still something that a lot of companies have not embraced and or uh, put in place. Uh, they talked about the responsibilities of a CISO along with an overall discussion of what CISOing is like in the real world because I guess everybody there had had, had some of these roles. Um, a lot of people out there want to be a CISO. I mean, that's one I've asked, had been asked before, how do I become a CISO and so forth. So definitely check that segment out. On Security Weekly News number 173, Oh, boy. If you missed this one, you missed an interesting story. Uh, Jason talked about, uh, and, and we, we've certainly had stories before about the dark web and ransomware firms putting up HR departments and help desks and all kinds of stuff. This one was about the evolving business of cybercrime and specifically how they were having these crime tribunals. So sort of the, you know, the, the Judge Judy kind of, uh, it was basically arbitration that was going on in public forums by criminal organizations who were arbitrating various criminal behaviors when criminals behave badly. <laughs> I mean, it's a little crazy. I, I mean, not the story, but just the idea of this. And it's definitely worth checking out because I, I was just sort of like floored um, by listening to this and listening to Jason talk about how, you know, they were really working through these problems and they were ejecting people that, that didn't behave properly. Very, very interesting thing to me. Uh, on Paul's Security Weekly, number 721, uh, first up was always, uh, is an annual thing that we, we've been doing. It was Ed Scotus. Uh, Ed, if you don't know him, and you probably do know him because everybody knows Ed, but Ed is the president of SANS Technology Institute and he's also the director of what he was here to talk about, the Holiday Hack Challenge. Uh, the segment was all about that annual Holiday Hack cha Challenge. Um, 
every year we have a segment with Ed and he talks about the holiday hack challenge. And if you've never done one of these, you really should try it out. It's free. So, you know, it's not like it costs you money to get involved, but they put these things together every year. And, and the free annual challenge has evolved into really a, a pretty elaborate video game kind of thing at this point, uh, considering that they're doing all this, you know, for free. And I, I just never, I, every time I look at these things every year, they get better. They're more elaborate. They got music. They got, it's, it's crazy how much time and effort they put into this. You should definitely check it out though. On the second segment, Cena and Aaron, uh, had the unenviable task of following up Ed Skoda's, uh, but Cenan is the VP for zero trust access at ZTNA engineering at Barracuda. Uh, and Cenan came on to talk about, uh, essentially what's going to happen in 2022, uh, so obviously, you know, they talked about ransomware, but what are going to be the biggest issues next year? And in third segment, always the news. So my threat of the week, well, you know, I think it's probably obvious what my threat of the week is going to be. It's going to be supply chain again. I mean, pick a story. So all of the stories, you know, this week, I posted the Apache wiki on log for shell log jam. I, I've been, I've been calling it log jamming in honor of one of my favorite movies of all time. And I mean, I make references to Bunny Lebowski all the time on here, so how could it not be called Log Jammin'? I mean, Log Jam, really? Call it Log Jammin'? You know, I mean, come on. But anyway, of course you've heard of the Log4J vulnerability at this point. I mean, there's, I don't even know, I think on some of the sites I was looking at this morning, you know, there was four, four plus stories on the, uh, the front page of uh, the security sites. But I'm going to beat the undead horse a little more today. So if you haven't read up on it, I, I, just to reiterate, Log4j, popular library that is used in just about every known programming language at this point. So it's been ported to everything you've heard of, and it is widely used. Um, there's over a million downloads of Log4j you know, that we know of. Uh, the particular problem started because it is possible to push a link to the Java engine that it's a specially constructed link that goes into a special place. And, and, and again, you either already know a lot about this or you, there's a dozen stories where you can read up on how it works. But basically what it does is it causes the Java engine to download um, a, a link so it reaches back out using LDAP or DNS or some other protocol and downloads whatever's on that uh, site. And then that's executed by Java on the local machine. So you can pull down scripts or files or executables or whatever you want to do. And they run with the privilege of the Java system. So basically you're doomed. I mean, it's a remote code execution and it basically can completely compromise just about anything that is running log4j. Uh, with Java in the background. So it becomes a supply chain issue, right? I mean, that's what this is. I mean, Log4j has a vulnerability in unpatched versions. So if you're before version 2.16, um, this vulnerability exists. And that means that you don't really know how many times this has been used in apps. We know how many times it's been downloaded, but that doesn't necessarily even reflect the number of places that it may actually exist in your company. So for instance, say I'm building a customer service application to process loans, and I decide to use uh, Apache as a listening demon for the browser with Java, and I need to log my app. So guess what? I go use probably the most common and popular library that exists, Log4j. 
So let's make it worse. Let's say that my customer service app that I developed with Log4j is bought by another company that makes a business management product, which wants an embedded app for customer service. And so they buy my app and they use it in their app. So now there's an app with an app inside of it. And inside of that app is Log4j. I mean, there could even be multiple instances of Log4j there, right? So Log4j is embedded into that by the, comp the compilation process, and it's going to sit right there. Now, that's, that's still not bad enough for me uh, for this particular segment. So let's say I write a cool management tool for valves, uh, you know, like the kind of valves that open and close, you know, say, I don't know, uh, radioactive water supplies and things like that. And I put that in firmware on some kind of ICS management console, so a programmable logic controller or whatever. And when I do that, I decide, well, you know, I, I need an interface for this that's gonna appear on a screen somewhere. So I got touch screen or whatever. And I do that and I use Log4j as a logging tool on the back end and Apache running that web service on the front. And I got Log4j in there. Well, that's pretty bad. And I mean, so the point is, uh, these issues are just gonna continue in the next years. I mean, I, I'm going to predict right now that they're just going to get worse. Why? Well, I think we're just starting to see this type of problem be a real problem. It's always been a problem, but I think it's really starting to manifest itself. And there's, uh, there's just an inconceivable amount of code sitting out there in the world that runs every day that uses libraries that use libraries that use libraries that use containers with libraries in them and lambdas that have libraries in them. And, and who knows how all the interaction between this stuff actually occurs. I mean, does anybody really have a full SBOM, you know, so the software bill of materials on anything? I mean, you take any app you wrote. So, I mean, like how many libs did you add to that, that to facilitate the, the app? I mean, how many libs did you add to fulfill dependencies of other tools that you were using? You know, when you first install libx and it says, oh, I need liby and libz and then liby, when you try to install liby, it says, oh, I need libb and libd. And pretty soon you have a massive chain of supply. <laughs> yeah, a, a, a supply chain. But mostly what you have is a quagmire of libraries that talk to other libraries. And all of that's getting made even worse now by the cloud, by things that are going to reside in the cloud and just it's just this massive chain of supply. I mean, I know you never do these things, right? But, but some of us do. And I, I mean, I can't even think of the last time that I wrote even a simple app that didn't add a whole bunch of things just to make things work better. I mean, why write something when something already exists, right? So, I mean, can, you know, math.h. So you, you're writing a C program and you put math.h in or random.h. So a long time ago, I had this. I had to dig into random.h because I had a court case, and the court case was about well, randomness. And I think that was the first time I ever really dug into that lib, even though I'd used it a lot. I mean, I wrote simulation products with it, and we tested it. Did it do you know? Did it do random things? But I never really looked at the code, and it uses other libs. So the S bomb is is just a starting point. And it, it might solve the problem, but I, it's so complicated, I don't know. And it's just not apparent what all is contained in that container and what the various containers in the container contain. The law requires that a box of Captain Crunch cereal list all the ingredients. But when you see fulminate of mercury, do you really know what that means or what fulminate of mercury contains? I mean, does it contain other fulminates? 
is it mercury from china or, or mercury from some guy named bert who just left his wife and moved to Reseda to start a new life providing mercury for captain crunch and it's got like real societal issues i mean it gets hard to follow right i mean remember that farm to table movement i mean i mean this started i don't know when this was but a few years ago, it was this thing called the farm to table movement and there was all these products that came out where everybody started printing things in the box like this cereal is made of corn grown by lois and anna on their farm in kearney nebraska where they have goats and, and, and children and all kinds of wholesome things. I mean, did that mean you could trust the corn because Lois and Anna seem like nice people in that photo on the box? Or is it possible that Lois and Anna bought a bunch of radioactive Chinese corn on the black market and a lot of kids got genetic mutations down in Biloxi when they ate a box of corneos? I mean, it, it's kind of worrisome. And I don't think any of us have a real handle on the, the depth of this problem. And we started to see it with solar winds and so forth. But I think it's going to keep escalating. I think we're just, you know, we're, we're currently mostly just seeing zero days that no one had yet found. But I do, you know, but I do believe that there's nefarious forces working to embed things like this in libs that are going to be in libs inside of other libs that are going to be used. I mean, if I was an evil superpower, that's what I would be doing. Write the best goddamn graphic buffering tool that ever existed and make sure everyone on Earth is using it just in case someday I need to send out a secret hex code that makes the whole world implode. I mean, see why I can't sleep at night worrying about algorithms? I mean, you, you like lay there in bed and you're going like, what if this had that in it? And this, you know, it's a scary thing and we're going to have to get a handle on it. Not just put quaint pictures of Steve and John working hard in their library with a note that says this code written with care on the SJ family coding ranch. But in reality, even if Steve and John really do mean well, and they only use the most wholesome libraries, that one library they use for reporting, you know, the one that has log for J inside of it. Oh, well, they missed that one. Anyway, on that note, and now the news. Oh, well, just to have a, another ubiquitous log for shell story, because we really kind of have to have one, right? Uh, well, it is also now being used to install ransomware, apparently. It was probably already being used to install ransomware, but there's actually a public case documented. Bitdefender said they had found a ransomware family being downloaded and executed with a remote installer called Consari. Um, that same server was also being used to distribute Orcus, which is a remote access Trojan. Um, if you haven't read this, you, you probably should. I, I mean, this is just a, you know, now a documented case of ransomware being distributed using uh, the log4j vulnerability. So, you know, if you need more evidence to try to convince your people that you really need to devote some cycles to this, and, and you know, hopefully you're already doing that. I did want to provide a link to an article that has a lot of tools which can be used to start identifying where you're vulnerable to log for shell. And there's more tools coming out all the time. So like I, I've been getting emails like for the last two days from different companies uh, saying, you know, use our tool to identify vulnerabilities. Uh, so you may want to see what tools you already own because if you have certain tools, scanning tools and so forth, they may be adding features so that you can do this. Um, the attack surface for this thing is huge. And the log4j library can be hiding under any bush or a rock and may actually be under several bushes with rocks on top of them. So it's a really sort of a challenge for you to identify places where you may well be vulnerable to this. Uh, so this article has a bunch of different tools that may help you, you know, start to resolve what your tax, attack surface actually looks like and get a handle on how to start mitigating this thing. Uh, Threat Mapper by Deep Fence was one that was listed in there. It's an open source one. But basically, you're going to have to identify the vulnerable devices that you have and get traffic blocked to them. Um, 
and uh, they were recommending blocking suspicious egress traffic. A lot of people don't do egress filtering or egress monitoring, but you may have to start doing that because you've got LDAP requests going out, and it, but it also has DNS. It's all these different approaches that can be used to download this, this actual malware. Um, so, you know, but they said that the egress filtering was maybe one of the best ways to stop it. Uh, because if the systems can't communicate back to the home server, well, they're not going to be able to download the malware. So anyway, it's a big mess. A man in New York bragged about stealing more than $20 million worth of cryptocurrency from a tech exec and got caught. Uh, you know, basically, you know, if, if, not, if history and movies has taught us nothing, it's that if you do a lot of crimes, it's best not to brag about them on social media. Um, Nicholas Truglia was working with a group that claims to have stolen more than $100 million using SIM swapping. Uh, Truglia was arrested after stealing the money from Michael Turpin, who is a crypto investor that had founded an angel investor group for Bitcoin. Turpin had filed a civil lawsuit uh, against Truglia in Los Angeles Superior Court uh, because he was, I, I guess he was frustrated they weren't trying to prosecute the guy. Um, now, the, in the civil case, the jury awarded Turpin $75.8 million. And that then led to a criminal indictment of Truglia. But the truth is, they only really charged him with abuse of like uh, one of his accounts. So it was really a complicated thing where the law may just be very difficult to deal with in this particular case. Uh, there was a segment earlier this year on Paul's Security Weekly about SIM swapping. If you missed it, it was, it was a pretty good segment. And it is a big deal. Basically, if somebody can get your SIM card information or better yet, convince a clerk at a SIM card issuer. So that could be any little counter on any little store anywhere on the planet. If they can get a SIM card issuer to put your info on a new SIM card because, you know, they lost their, their phone and they, you know, could you please just help me? Oh, and would Mr. Would Mr. Washington change your mind? Um, you know, they can then use that to beat your multi-factor because if they can emulate your phone, they can basically steal your identity since so much of what your identity is starting to become is on your phone. And if you've got two-factor, you know, SMS messages on your phone, well, they can see them when they come in. Dark Watchman is a rat uh, that was found by Pre uh, Prevalian's ad adversarial counterintelligence team. That's a mouthful. It, they, it goes by PACT. Um, the rat, this particular rat uses the Windows registry to act like a temporary storage buffer for uh, the Trojan itself. And that means they never actually write it to the disk because it's always inside the registry. So, which is a pretty interesting approach. It was why this article caught my eye. I mean, there's Trojans all the time, but this was a particularly interesting one I was reading about because this, this basically uh, diskless malware is a very, very challenging thing to find. It's kind of the holy grail in a way. I mean, if you have fileless persistence, which means that, you know, that it's somehow in the system, even though it's not written as a file on the disk and it, it, you know, it's really tough to find and it's even harder to get rid of because every time you reboot, it just pops back up and you don't know where it's coming from. Uh, the Windows registry, if you aren't familiar with it, but you probably are, is an, you know, an ever changing buffet of things. And it's actually pretty difficult for humans to parse. I've known a few people who, who really were registry experts who could dig through that registry, uh, but even they probably couldn't tell you one thing from another. So hiding things in there is a pretty good idea, right? Uh, but this tool basically uses the registry space as a temporary storage buffer for an encoded 
executable. So they take a binary executable and then encode it as text in the registry. So then when they want to run it, they can reach into the registry and execute it from there, which is kind of an interesting thing. I mean, it is written on the disk, but it's in, it's in that registry hive, you know, so you don't actually see it uh, out in public, which means that it's really tough for security tools to actually locate because it's not looking at this stuff that's inside the registry. It means that then running code, if you have running code on the system, you may be able to download and update that buffer in the registry anytime that you have access to it. So the belief is that this rat is being used as an initial entry point into systems that will eventually be ransomware, since ransomware is easy enough to introduce using this kind of approach. But using the temporary buffer is, is, is just the point, uh, they're basically just the, using that temp buffer to point to a command and control server and download malware. So it's a very sophisticated and a very interesting kind of an attack. So you may wanna read up on that. A new piece of malware called pseudo-manuscript has been found by Kaspersky. Manus the original manuscript was a family of malware tools that have been used in the past and most recently by Lazarus Group, which is a North Korean APT. Uh, they were targeting defense companies and government agencies in South Korea, as well as other uh, countries around the world. Pseudo-manuscript uses fake pirated software installer archives to get into the local system. <laughs> I mean, again, this is so similar to the, it was a spear phishing attack earlier this year that Lazarus conducted against researchers where they were basically getting them, you know, they were promising this and that to get them to go to a site and download stuff. Uh, these fake installers are for ICS specific software. Uh, and in the example in the article was, and it was, it was real stuff. It was an application designed to create Modbus uh, devices that interact with the PLC controllers and other software. So the belief is that the fake installers are being provided from a malware as a service platform, which again was something that Lazarus Group was doing. Kaspersky had a really cool screenshot though of fake installers out there that were for SolarWinds engineering toolset wares. Now basically, if you're downloading wares instead of buying legitimate products, get ready to get hurt. Uh, I was trying to download Antares uh, Harmonizer once just to see what it did. And uh, it was somebody asked me about it and asked me, you know, if it worked and would it run on this platform. I, I didn't have a demo. I just wanted to see if I could if I could tell them something about it so they could buy it or not buy it. And I got a whole pile of, of copies that were cracked. Every single one that I downloaded had all kinds of malware in, in the in the cracked versions, as you might expect. So the malware found so far on, on this particular thing steals VPN connection data, keystroke logging, screenshot and screen videos. It can eavesdrop on the microphone and record local sounds, grab clipboard data, and steal uh, OS event log data, which would, of course, include RDP authentication data. So basically, they're counting on people that are downloading wares to get expensive tools that they don't want to pay for, apparently, and then placing spyware on your system. So if you're downloading wares, please do it in a heavily sandboxed environment. And even then, I wouldn't start trying to use illegal software at work uh, unless you're really, 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 really desperate. And even then, it's probably a bad idea. Facebook banned seven companies that they called cyber mercenaries. Uh, they will be sending warnings, and I think they've already sent them to about 48,000 people uh, on Facebook who they believe were targeted by malicious activity from these companies. Facebook said that these cyber uh, mercenary companies indiscriminately target people to collect intel about them, manipulate them, and compromise their devices. Uh, one of them was Black Cube, who infamously worked for Harvey Weinstein, uh, targeting women who had accused the defrocked movie mogul 
Uh, Cobwebs is a company that uses the public and dark websites to trick targets into giving up their personal info. Citrox, which which use phishing campaigns to infect targets with spyware and on and on. Uh, the article goes on to explain how this investigation revealed new ways about how the surveillance industry works and how they target people using social media. Other companies banned included Cognite, Bluehawk CI, Beltrox, and, 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 and one that was called an unknown entity in China. And a lot of this is like Pegasus uh, with NSO Group. And, you know, all these com companies specialize in targeting people that someone, especially someone with lots of money, wants intel on. It was noted in the article uh, that Citrox does this type of thing for a police department in Connecticut, apparently. Okay. And finally, remember back when pulling the fire alarm in high school was considered a like legendary prank that got you put in, yeah, we won't get into that. Uh, but those were the days before TikTok challenges had people, you know, snorting wombat froth and gargling cheese water. Um, but today, uh, th this meaning this very day, apparently schools across the United States have been put on high alert after claims that there was a TikTok meme challenge encouraging people to call in violent threats against their own schools on the 17th of December. That's today. Apparently, there were all sorts of headlines around the U.S. warning about this TikTok challenge. But the problem is, despite all these headlines saying, uh-oh, watch out, don't go to school today, et cetera, they really can't seem to actually find the meme that supposedly inspired it, and there's not apparently a TikTok challenge related to this. Apparently, some districts in Missouri cancel classes because of the threat. It's kind of like those things where they thought it might snow, and so they called off school. Yeah, remember those days? Anyway, if it wasn't real, it probably will be soon. And that's a news wrap-up for the week of 12 December 2021. It's almost the last show of the year. Can you believe it? 